The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Uh, There's a phrase that I want to remind you of this morning that is probably one that you've heard before. I'm sure you have. In fact, it was interesting. I I wrote this little section of my message this week, and then last night I actually heard this phrase. And the phrase is this, be nice. Be nice. How many of you heard someone tell you before, hey, you be nice? Right? Maybe it was when you were a kid and you were being dropped off at a friend's house or a grandparent's house. I know when I take my kids over to see their grandparents, it's one of the things I look at them in the eye and I say, be nice. Be nice to your sisters. Be nice. Or maybe you're driving somewhere with your kids and you know how it is. They're in a car. They're close to each other. They're going to they're gonna start rubbing each other the wrong way. It's going to happen. And there comes a moment when things start to get a little nasty. Someone says something. Fists fly, tears fly, whatever it may be, and you got to turn around as a parent, you got to go, hey, be nice. <laughs> Which is funny that we say it like that. Be nice. <laughs> but it doesn't go away when you're an adult, you know. You get married, and you're driving in your car, and someone pulls out in front of you, and they've never driven a car before. And so you start to talk to them. Let them know. Even though they can't hear you, you're letting them know. Is this your, is this your first? Okay, you're going to, okay, what do we, what do we, oh my gosh, the, the car driver lines at school, I'm telling you, I have to, it's a good thing that I'm having my quiet time before this and even during this, because a lot of times I'm going, what are we doing right now? But when Sarah's in the car with me, a lot of times, and this stuff is happening, and I'm having my conversations with this person that they can't hear, she's the one that'll go, oh, be nice. Be nice. Now, I I tell all you this this morning because um, I I realized something this week that's kind of interesting. You know the Bible never tells you to be nice? It it never, nowhere in scripture is that phrase be nice there or even a version of it, really, because God has called us to something better than just being nice. Because see, here's the thing. Be nice, here's what be nice means. It means just don't be mean. That's really the standard of be nice It's stop being mean or just don't be mean. But God has called us to something better than just don't be mean. He's called us to something that's a better way. And and that's what we're talking about, right? We're in a series right now called A Better Way. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, these nine fruit that we're to walk in in our life. They're fruit that the Spirit of God wants to produce in us. And so look at this verse with me. This is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, say this with me, church, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this is the fruit that the Spirit of God wants to source into your life. It's not the fruit of the person, right? It's the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. So it's not our job to muster this fruit up. It's our job to yield our life and cultivate a life whereby which the spirit can produce this kind of fruit in us. So today I want to talk to you about the fruit of kindness and what it means to walk in biblical kindness. Not to be nice, 
not to just not be mean, but to display the kind of kindness that God has called us to the world we're living in. Now, I think we can all agree that we are living in a day and age, in times where people are, we're seeing on display a lot the opposite of kindness, which is harshness and criticalness and judgmentalness. That's what we're seeing a lot of in the world. And you can see it in a lot of different ways. You see it in, in politics, and we see it in sports, and we see it in entertainment. We see it with athletes and sports anchors and news commentators, and it, it's all across the board. We see people pointing fingers at each other, getting harsh, making judgments, getting kind of ugly. How many of you would agree we're living in a time where that seems to be happening all the time? If that's you, lift up your hand this morning if you recognize that to be true. I think most hands are up in this room. Uh, most of the hands went up in this room. We're living in a time that's very harsh. Now, here's the problem is that a lot of times it's not just, I, I wish I could say this, that it's just happening out there in the world, but it's not. The sad thing is we're also seeing this taking place within the church, which is really sad because not only are we not living up to the standard God's called us to, which is bringing change to this, but we're actually a lot of times just kind of falling in line with the pattern of the world, the nature of the world. And we as Christians are pointing our finger and getting critical and getting judgmental and being harsh. And, and we're, we're, we're actually building and adding to the problem that exists in the world. And so I want to I help you to understand there's a better way this morning. There's a different way. In fact, that's my, my, that's my first point, is that kindness is different. You got to understand, in order to walk in the kind of kindness God's called us to walk in, we're going to have to be different, because we're called to be different. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Look at this, verse 13 and 14. He said, let me tell you why you're here. Jesus talking, here's why you're here. Here it is. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be salty, church, in a God way, okay? You're here, uh, he says, let me put it another way. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. So as Christians, we're called to bring out and point people to Jesus, that people would taste and see through our life that God is good, that we would be shiny, that we would be radiant, that we would help in a dark world bring illumination to what's really going on. We, we say it like this here at New Song Church, we're not called to be culture up people, we're called to be kingdom down people. We're bringing the realities of the kingdom of God into this earth, not living at the low level of just operating and functioning the way the rest of the world does. Can I get an Amen. So we all agreed that we're living in, in times that are brutal and harsh. And so listen, if we engage with a world that's brutal and harsh with brutality and harshness, how many of you know we're not helping? It's like being on a boat and there's a leak, right? And so it's like, okay, there's a leak on the boat. We got to get this water out of the boat. Here's what we'll do. Let's drill some holes in the bottom of the boat to let the water out. How many of you know that don't work? We're actually just adding to the problem if that's our approach. So, so we got to recognize that it's important that we don't just come into the flow of the world, the pattern of the world, but we strive for something different, something better. And I think one of the ways we need to recognize is that our words are important. Our words are, are one of the things we need to recognize that will help us with this is the power of our words. So I, I told you about this last week, Matthew 12, Jesus is talking about your words. He says this. I want you to see it in the scripture though today. He says, I say to you that for every idle word that you may speak, 
I think if Jesus was writing this today, he would probably say, for every idle word that you text, that you post, that you share, that you retweet. Are you with me this morning, church? He says, you will give an account on the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Jesus says those words are a big deal. And he uses this word idle. And that word idle there means it's a careless word. It's a word, look, check this out, you didn't really labor over in your heart. In other words, you just let it fly. You felt something, you had an emotion rise up, you read something, you saw something, and you got to respond, and you got to respond now, so wow, you let it fly. You're not laboring over it. Laboring over it, meaning you're not submitting it to the word. Like the wholeness of the word. What does the word say about this? What's my response to what I'm seeing based on what the word of God says? You didn't labor over it. You didn't invite the Holy Spirit into it. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? I know I'm reading this or I'm seeing this or I'm hearing this, but what are you saying right now? How do I respond based on what you're telling me right now? I mean, how, how often are we doing this? I, I, I don't think very often based on a lot of what I'm seeing. Or, or you're not inviting godly counsel, people around you, to speak into the problem that you're seeing. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this, I'm seeing this, I've got this going on, and I want to respond, and here's what I'm thinking, but what do you think? I don't just want to fly off the handle and speak quickly here, because, because recognize when we do that, we can become an obstacle to people that keeps them from, from Jesus. Jesus said it like this, in Matthew 16, he's talking to his disciples and, and he's talking to them about some of the things that he's getting ready to do. And he's been letting them know, but now he's just getting like extremely clear with them, okay? And he's saying, guys, I'm going to the cross. I'm gonna be crucified. They're gonna kill me, but I'm gonna be resurrected. He's telling his disciples this. And Peter hears this and he's like, whoa, let this not be, Lord. And, and what, is, what does Jesus say to him? Look at what he says, verse 23. He says, get behind me, Satan. Wow, like that's, that's a strong statement. <laughs> but look what he says. You are a stumbling block to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus says to Peter in this moment, because see, here's what Peter's doing. Peter is, is making a quick judgment based on what he's hearing and based on what he's feeling. And he's kind of jumping to conclusions, but he's not really paying attention to the heart of God and what God's been saying and what God's been doing and what God is pointing him towards. He's just in the moment going, I, I love you and I don't want this to happen. And Jesus says, listen, if you live that way, you can become a stumbling block. Because you're not focused. You're not really paying attention to what I'm saying. You're not really paying attention to what I'm doing. What I've got to do. All you're thinking about is what you want and what you care about. Listen, Peter's not being evil. He, he loves Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to die. But he's just rushing to say something. And Jesus says, if you, if you take that attitude, it can lead to a stumbling block. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. I, I wonder how often... In our life, we get in a hurry 
because of emotions, because of something that we read, something that was said, and we, we rush out to make a statement. We got to get our statement out there. We got to get our opinion out there. We got to get something said. We rush out without knowing all the details, without fully understanding, without sitting under the word, asking the word what it really says about this, inviting the Holy Spirit, inviting counseling, and we rush out, and in our haste, we become a stumbling block. We end up just becoming something that blocks people from being able to see the real heart of Jesus instead of being a person who's leading people to Jesus and the change and the heart that he has for these things that we're seeing going on in the world today. Listen, I'm not saying that we can't speak out against the things that are happening in this world. We have to. Hear me, we have to. There are uh, things that are taking place and there are people that are experiencing evil and that voice people that don't have a voice it's our job to address some of this stuff but the point is are we laboring over how we address it or are we just flying off the handle letting it fly not really caring about if this could become a stumbling block for people that make them go those christians are just harsh they're just brute they're just like everybody else and we tune our voice out. We become powerless in our purpose because we just won't slow down and be different because we're called to different. Kindness is different. Can I get an amen? amen. So we gotta be different. Look at what James tells us in verse 19 of James 1:19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, so he's talking to Christians, take note of this. So take note of this, Christians. Everyone, everyone, everyone includes you, by the way, you're not immune to this, you're not above this, you're an everyone, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to type, slow to text, slow to reply, slow down, slow, and slow to become angry. But how often what we see in the world is the opposite. We're slow to listen, we're quick to speak. We're slow to listen, we're quick to get mad. We don't really listen and when I say listen, not just listening to what the person's saying, but listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you about what the person's saying. Because if you'll listen, sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, here's why they're acting like that, because they're broken. Because they didn't have a father. Because they were abused. Because they don't, they don't understand. Because they're blind. Because they're living in sin. Because they don't understand it. You get what I'm saying? Slow down, church. We gotta slow down. We're called to something better, something different. And I get it. It's easy to get sucked into this stuff sometimes. Sometimes you're not looking for it and it happens. You know, you're just getting on your phone for a second to scroll through some stuff. And all of a sudden you're confronted with something. And it's like, oh, I got to say something. Because listen, understand there are demonic spirits that exist in the world that are designed to bring confusion. And so what they're doing is they're looking at you and they're, they're looking for opportunities to go, oh man, look at this. Look at this. Come down here. Come down to this low level. And let's, let's get mad about this. And let's, let's point fingers and let's get harsh and let's let everyone know how they're all going to hell. <laughs> we got to slow down, church. Amen? We're called to be different. Kindness is different. And so in order to be different, we're going to have to be intentional. So that leads me to the second thing you need to recognize about kindness is that kindness is calculated. Kindness is calculated. Okay, so the Holy Spirit wants to produce this in your life, but 
it's not just automatic. It's not just something that takes place because you become a Christian that now you're going to be kind. How I many you know that's not true? <laughs> I was a Christian for a long time and I was mean. This has been an interesting message for me, just so you know. Like I, I, was, I was operating in the, like not even the nice level at a lot of points in my life. Like not even just trying to not be mean. That was not even a strength of mine at many points. Sarah, be quiet. <laughs> But what happens is we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and He begins to produce and help us to produce. But we have a part to play in it. We have things that we, mindsets we need to take on, scripture we need to submit to, steps we need to take that enable us to create the branches that can bear the fruit. So Colossians 3.12 says it like this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, so Christians, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself. If you've been around New Song Church, you've heard me say this before. Anytime the Bible talks about clothing ourselves, putting on something, what does that mean? It means it doesn't happen automatically. You have to be intentional. Clothe yourself with compassion. Here it is kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How many of you agree? Those are not things that we normally just automatically have. You've got to clothe yourself in it. So you have to make a decision, a calculated decision, that I'm going to do this. Now, that, that word kindness there is the Greek word Christotes. And it's actually the equivalent, or it's actually the same Greek word that's, that's used here is the same Greek word that's used in Galatians 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so Christotes means this. It means to show kindness or to be friendly to others. So to show kindness, to be friendly it's, a, it's, a, it's an action we have to participate in. So, so God wants to produce this, but we have to pr- participate in that. He won't just make you mad, just like God will make you give. He won't make you tithe. You've got to jump in. You've got to be a part of things, right? So God has called us to be calculated in this, to express this, to show kindness, to be friendly to others. So we make the choice, and then the Holy Spirit empowers us to do it because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He's your helper. He's called to walk beside you in life and to help you. He'll empower you to do it if you'll take the steps to do it. Now, here's what's interesting about this word kindness. When this, when this is on display in your life, it means that you're a person that's working to be adaptable. Okay? So a kind person, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Kind people put on adaptability. Here's what that means. It means we don't invite the world to adjust to us we adjust to the world. We look at the world and we say, okay, I'm going to meet you in your areas of need and desire instead of world, meet me in my area of need and desire. Again, kindness is different. Kindness is calculated. This is not how any of us just roll naturally. Very few of us just roll, and none of us roll this way naturally. We all want people to adjust to us. We don't want to have to adjust to other people, but if we're putting on kindness, we're intentionally adjusting. So, for example, in marriage, uh, I'm married to Sarah, and because I want to be kind to her, I have to put on adaptability. That means I do stuff sometimes that may not always be what I want to do, but I'm doing it to meet her in her area of needs and desires. So I was thinking about some of the ways I do this this week, and I was thinking, I've watched a documentary series a, a documentary movie, a, a, a special like TV show on this, and the movie about Selena, the Spanish singer. 
Just so you know, I never watched those until I met her. But, and I wouldn't watch those if not for her. But because I'm married to, to Sarah and she likes Selena, because for some reason when she was a little kid, she got into Selena for a while, I adapt. In fact, last week before Love His, I got home and we were getting ready for, you know, she had a few hours until Love His. And I was like, okay, I want to serve my wife. I want to be kind to her. And so I, I, we, we were sitting there on the couch and we were trying to find something to watch. And I saw the Jennifer Lopez Selena movie on our Hulu. And so I was like, I'm just going to put this on because I know it. And it's so funny because I'm telling you, she gets in such a good mood when this, like she'll start walking around the house like doing a little Spanish dance and it's the best. <laughs> it's awesome. But I, I'll let you know, like that was not my Sunday plan. I didn't get done with church last week and I was like, man, I can't wait to watch some J-Lo. <laughs> no, not exactly. But I'm being adaptable. Uh, because I want to be adaptable, I have brunch a lot I don't really care for brunch. I don't really care for breakfast food that much, just being real. Brunch is like you're eating breakfast at lunchtime. I'd rather have lunch. I like barbecue and pizza and, and that, you know, lunch. But I find myself eating avocado toast a lot <laughs> because Sarah likes brunch. But I, but I don't just say to her, well, sorry, you married a guy who doesn't like brunch. Tough sledding for you. <laughs> Find somebody else. No, I adapt, right? So, okay, so get this. I'm going to get all up in your kitchen for a moment. You ready? If you're, if, you're, if you're putting on kindness and being adaptable, you can't make statements like, I'm just not a morning person. That's not okay. You can't make statements like, well, I'm not an evening person. Well, this is just who I am, so deal with it. Listen, God, God did make you a certain way, but he didn't make you a jerk. He didn't make you rude. Like, you're choosing to put that on. So let's change clothes, and let's put on adaptability and be kind to other people. Uh, God, like this statement, like, well, I'm just not a very encouraging person. My kids, I know they probably need encouragement, but that's just not who I am. Well, get over yourself. Because we're called to meet people in their area of need and desire, Amen. So if that's what they need, I'm going to put on kindness and I'm going to serve them in their area of need. Even if that's not necessarily real natural to me, I don't care. I'm going to be who God's called me to be and I'm going to put on adaptability. I'm going to encourage them and be who God's called me to be. Amen? Amen. So, so let me show you these verses here. Kindness. Well, let me say this. This is good. Kind people put on adaptability. And I want you to think about this. Who do you think put on adaptability greater than anyone ever? Jesus, right? Like, think about Jesus. Jesus made some major life adjustments at one point. He left heaven to come down to this earth so that he could serve us in our area of need, didn't he? This was a major life change. Jesus didn't look at the world and say, sorry, I don't do crosses. No. He was willing to, to meet us in fact, Philippians talks about how he was willing to, to serve us to the point of death. Yeah. That's adaptability right there. Because he knew that by doing so, he could change everything. And, and what happened? His kindness changed everything. Because he was willing to adapt 
and change and serve people and, and, and be different, it changed the world. And that's the next thing I want you to see is that kindness encourages change. When you really come to understand the kindness of God for you and you begin to walk in that, it's, it, it encourages change. Romans 2 verse 4 says this. It says, God's kindness leads you to repentance. God's kindness leads to change. So when you have the kindness of God on display in your life, it, it leads you to change. It helps you to repent when you recognize how good God's been to you. And it also, through your life, it leads other people to repentance and to change, the change that they need to make in their life. Now, let me remind you, the kindness that God displayed was not just not being mean. He was actively kind. And that's what we're to keep in mind. That's what we're to keep in remembrance is how actively kind God has been to us. And we see this all throughout the Bible. It talks in the Old Testament over and over again. As God is introducing himself, we see him introducing himself as a God who is kind. Let me show you a couple verses on this. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 says this. It says, thus saith the Lord. So this is God talking here about himself. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this. So this is worth talking about. That he understands and knows me. You come to know God, right? We want to help people know God here at New Song Church. That I am the Lord, now look at this, exercising kindness. He doesn't say, I'm the Lord and I'm thinking about kindness. I'm exercising it. In other words, he's being actively kind. He's going out of his way to express this kind of kindness to the world. In Exodus 34, God's revealing himself to Moses in verse six, he says, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. Now this word kindness that's used both here in Jeremiah and here in Exodus is the word hasad. And it's the Greek, or it's the Hebrew equivalent to the Greek word Christotes. So it's the active kindness of God. God says, I'm actively putting on the fruit of the spirit of kindness. That's, that's the kind of kindness I'm expressing and showing to you. In Psalms 106 it says that we're to remember the kindness of God. Look at this. It says, when our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. So this is talking about the Hebrew people and how they forgot about the kindness of God. And look at what happens. They did not remember your many kindnesses, your Hassad kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea. Because they weren't focusing on the kindness of God, it led them towards rebellion. Okay, so get this. When you have, this is God's expectation, that you would come to understand that he is a kind God, that you would come to experience his active kindness in your life and that you would remember the kind of kindness he's expressed to you and keep it in remembrance and that through it, it will produce change in you. It will produce repentance inside of you and as you focus on this and allow this work to take place in you, it leads to a change in you that is experienced by the world around you. And so now the world around you starts going, wow, what is that? I see something on display through your life, the kindness of God, that is something I'm interested in. It's something different that I don't always see in the world. What is this? And so it draws them to the kindness, the kindness you're displaying, that's the kindness of God through your life, points them to God, points them towards repentance. So as we yield ourselves to the kindness of God and remember the kindness of God, 
it then begins to work in us and through us to produce the change that needs to take place, not only in us, but in other people around us. Isn't that awesome? But it starts with us choosing to remember. You gotta remember. You gotta make the choice. I'm gonna remember the kindness of God that's been given to me. When, When I was a kid, I got to experience something on a regular basis that I kind of feel sorry for young people today that they don't get to experience this. Some of you will remember this. Junior high school, you get picked up from school by your mom. I'm driving home with mom and I'm like, it's the weekend, you know? It's Friday, it's weekend. What are we gonna do? I'm gonna rent a movie. Mom, can we rent a movie? Can we go to Blockbuster? It's powerful. And mom would say, yes, we can. You can rent a game. You can rent a movie. Let's do this. And we go to Blockbuster. I, I, feel, I really do feel sorry the kids don't get to do this. It was fun. And so you go in and there'd be some movie that just came out, right? And there's a wall of it. And you walk in there and it's like, oh, the wall of the movie you've been wanting to see. You've been looking forward to seeing it. And then you go up there and you start looking at all the boxes and you can see all the pictures. And you go up confidently to grab the movie and you pull the box back and there's no tape behind it. And the whole wall, there's not a single tape because you were a little late. You didn't get there quite quick enough. So what do you do? There's still hope, right? What's the hope? You go to the return box. Some of you know. And you start thumbing through there looking for your title. And man, it was like an Indiana Jones movie moment when you found it, wasn't it? Oh, like you got it. But then there was moments that you didn't find it. Find it. And so now you're left wandering in the abyss of the movie (laughs) rental store. Powerful stuff. But I want to take you back. I don't know why. That really has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) This is really what I want to talk about. Okay, go back to not, not like, you know, the movie stores that some people did get to experience, like even more recently, but like back to videotapes. Okay, remember those days? You go buy a, get a brick and take it home with you. You're bringing home four movies. It's like, okay, pile them on, dad. Let's go. But you rent these movies and you'd rent them and you'd watch them and there was a sticker because I guess the movie places were having trouble with people like participating and rewinding the movie. So what did they do? They had this slogan and they would say, be kind, rewind, right? You guys remember this? Be kind, rewind. You're done with Toy Story, rewind it. Be kind. Walk in the act of kindness of God and rewind the movie. It's not really the act of kindness of God. You're just kind of doing him a favor. It's nice. It's not kindness. But as I was thinking about kindness this week and this idea that we have to remember the kindness of God, I was reminded of this slogan, be kind, rewind. And I'm, I'm reinventing it for you to help you to remember this, okay? So here's the new slogan for you. Be kind, remind. See what I did there, church? Yeah, you like it, you like it. Be kind, Remind. What what does that mean? Be kind. If you want to be kind, you have to remind yourself of the kindness that God has given you. The kind of kindness that God has displayed for you. And I believe if you'll remind yourself of that kindness and keep it in the forefront of your mind, it'll help you walk in the fruit of the spirit of kindness and display it for the world. And so to help you with this, I want to tell you a story. A story from 2 Samuel chapter 9, if you want to turn there. It's an incredible story It kind of revolves around the life of David, but it's really not about David. Uh, So let me kind of catch you up with this. David is the king, but before he was the king, if you remember, 
there was a king named Saul. And Saul was the king, but he lost the anointing to be the king because he had disobeyed God. He, he didn't really have a heart for God. And so God took the anointing away from him and he gave it to David. And then there was this huge rivalry that was mainly through Saul, where Saul hated David, wanted to kill David. And for years, David had to live uh, in, in, in hiding and running away, trying to protect himself and keep himself safe. He had many opportunities to kill Saul, but he never took those. He just honored Saul and waited for his time. And then Saul had this son named Jonathan, and Jonathan became really good friends with, with David. In fact, they were like brothers. They weren't just friends. Like They had this really close brotherly relationship. Well, one day, um, Saul and his son Jonathan are out, and there's a battle taking place with the Philistines, and both Saul and Jonathan are killed in one day. And so after they're killed, um, David eventually assumes the throne, and he becomes the king of Israel. And, and so this story takes place about 20 years after that. And, and David is kind of reflecting on, on the kindness of God, and really he's reflecting on the kindness of God that has been displayed in his life through the relationship that he had with Jonathan. Okay, so check this out. This is Second uh, Samuel 9, verse 1. David says this. He says, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness, Hassad kindness, active kindness, for Jonathan's sake? So David's reflecting on his relationship with Jonathan, and he's thinking, is there anyone left of the line of this family that I can... I can bless, I can help, I can show kindness to because of the father. He says, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. So Ziba was one of the servants who served King Saul, who's now dead. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom, check this out, I can show God's kindness, God's hasad, active kindness to Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. So the son that he's talking about is a son named Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. That's not an easy one to say. Bible names, right? Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. He was the grandson of Saul. And the day that his grandfather and his father died was arguably one of the worst days a person has ever experienced in human history. So not only that day does his, his father die and his grandfather die, but because he was of the line of the king, now his whole life has been turned upside down. He, he's lost his inheritance. He's lost, obviously, having these figures in his life to help shape him and mold him through life. He's lost his position. He's lost his title, his security. All of that stuff is gone in a moment. Beyond that, um, he now lives his life with a death warrant on his life. Because see, in, in Bible times, when a new king would assume a throne, typically the last line was completely wiped out. Because they didn't want anyone from the last line rising up someday later in the future and trying to claim back the throne. So typically, a new king coming in would completely wipe out the line. And so they lived in fear of this, whether David was going to do that or not, which I, I don't believe he did, but I think all the people from that family ran away, which is why he's going, is there anyone left? He doesn't know because they're all gone. So Mephibosheth has been living with this kind of death warrant over his, over his life. So when this happens, Mephibosheth is just a baby. 
And his father and grandfather die, and so his nurse, knowing that he could be killed, afraid that he might be killed, rushes to get him and to escape with him so she can take him to a place of hiding. And in her rush, she ends up dropping this little baby. And when she drops him, he breaks both of his legs and he becomes crippled. And in biblical times, if you were crippled, you were considered to be of no value to society because you couldn't work. So now he's, he's, he's crippled. He's considered to be kind of a castaway, kind of a throwaway. And then the Bible tells us that he's living in this place called Lodabar. Lodabar, that literally means it's a place of no pasture. It means it's not the place you want to live. It's the place you go to live if you're hiding because you're afraid someone's wanting to kill you. Okay, so here's Mephibosheth. He has no, he's lost his family. He's lost his inheritance. He's lost his position. He's considered worthless. He lives with a death warrant and he's living in a place that can't sustain him. And one day he finds out the king wants to see him. And I wonder what he's thinking in that moment. Like maybe the king heard that I'm alive and he wants to kill me. He doesn't really know, but he shows up. And I think him showing up shows you how desperate he found himself. He's so desperate that he's either something good could come or something bad. He could get killed, but I think he's at such a low, it's kind of like, who cares? And so he shows up. Look at this, verse five. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makur, son of Emil, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Verse seven, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness. Hassad, kindness. Look at this. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Verse eight, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? In one moment, everything changes for this guy. In one moment, he's restored to a family. He's given an inheritance. He's given a position. In fact, it goes on to say, King David brings in Ziba who serves Saul and he says from this day forward you're going to serve Mephibosheth. Ziba had a staff of 35 people. So now that's all at Mephibosheth's like fingertips. He, he has that. He, he restores his land to him. And this isn't like hey there's a three acre plot over here with a little house on it for you to enjoy. He restores to him the land of King Saul, the king. Like this was literally, could have been considered a threat against King David. Like imagine, he's not just giving him a little piece of land, he's giving him like Texas. For real. Everything changes in a moment. And we read this story and you're like, man, King David was super kind. But that's not the point of the story. What I want you to see today is this. You're Mephibosheth. Every one of us in here was Mephibosheth. Because of sin, we lost our position. We had a death warrant on our life. Because of sin, we were living in a land that couldn't sustain us and provide for us. We had no right to be brought into the presence of the king. No right to lay claim to what sits at his table. But God. I love what 
I love what Mephibosheth says. It's, it's so interesting. And David's kind of response to it. He says, who am I? A dead dog like me. Like, I, I'm, I don't, who am I? And what does David say? It's not, it's not about who you are. I'm not doing this because of you. I'm doing this for the sake of another. I'm doing this because of the son of the king and who he is to me and what he's, who he, what he holds in my heart. So get this for me and you, we don't have no place with God. It's not in our own works. We can't boast in what we've done. The kindness we get to experience from God is because of the son, because Jesus came. It's for the sake of another that we can walk into the throne room of God and lay claim to the promises of God and have an inheritance and have and be pulled out of sin and have a position and a place. It's all because of Jesus. The Bible says this in Titus 3, verse 3. It says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. You know, we see a lot of that in the world. The Bible says at one time that was us too. It says, but when the kindness, the Christatos, Hassad, kindness of the love of our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of our righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness, his Christatos, Hassad, kindness, active kindness through to us in Christ Jesus. I want you to recognize something this morning. Jesus is God's kindness on display for you today. He is the active kindness of God on display on our behalf. He's God's willingness to move on our behalf when we had no right, no claim. Me and you were in a desolate land. We were were crippled. We had no hope. We had no no way. We We had a death warrant. And God, through his kindness and through the love of Jesus, made a way for us. That's the kind of kindness that God's displayed. And it's the kind of kindness we need to keep in mind so we can express it to the world around us. And we're called to do it. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind, remind. Remind. Some of you need to remind yourself of how far you've come because of Jesus where you were before Jesus, what your life looked like before Jesus. Some of you remind yourself of what he did for you. He hung on that cross and died. God did that for you. And if we can really begin to focus on that and keep that in mind, I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot easier for us to not point fingers at the world and say, you're the problem. Because that's not helping. Instead, we'll look at the world and we'll say, I too was like you. I was lost like that. I was blind like that. And if not for Jesus, I still would be. But since Jesus saved me, how can I, how can I help you? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.